Faith Westwood's worship service. My name is Holly Timberlake. I'm the Director of Adult and Family Discipleship. We are so happy that you are here with us today. Today during this service, we will have music, a children's time by Miss Leah, and Pastor Steve's message is treasures and clay pots. Would you like to know more about what it's like to be a part of Faith Westwood? Would you like to move from a participant to a partner? If so, we have um, an experience for you called the Faith Walk. It is an opportunity for you to learn more about faith and get to know other people. Our next Faith Walk is on Saturday, November 7th from 8.30 to 12.30 p.m. If you are interested in attending the Faith Walk, you can contact me at holly.timberlake at faithwestwood.com. Now take a deep breath and continue to be in a spirit of worship. Good morning, boys and girls. Miss Leah here. If you're here with us in worship today, I'm so glad to see you. Hi. And if you're joining us online, that's great too. Remember that no matter where you're joining us from, online or here in worship, you are exactly where God wants you to be today. Today, I'm in my mom's garage so that I could show you something special. See these old coffee cans behind me? Well, those are my dad's. He used to store things in them. And he loved antiques and he really loved these old coffee cans too. They're not very pretty, but let's see what's in them. Well, I'm not sure what that is, but there's some stuff. Here's some old decorations. Let's see what else we can find. Some nails and things. There's all kinds of good, oh, not another big thing of nails. Would you think that those things are treasures? Well, probably not to you or me, but to my dad, I'm sure they were because he used them to fix things up. What if you found a coffee can full of money or jewels? Would you think that was a treasure? I've even heard of people burying coffee cans full of money out in their backyards. That would definitely be a treasure to find. What if we compared ourselves to one of these old coffee cans? Sometimes we don't feel like we're the prettiest on the outside or have the best clothes or the best shoes or the best haircut. But God doesn't care what the outside looks like because he knows and he sees what's on the inside of each one of us, a priceless treasure. He has filled each one of you up with his most favorite things. You are his loved and valued treasure. And each one of you is so special to him. It doesn't matter what the outside looks like. So next time you see an old coffee can, I want you to remember, it's not what the old outside looks like. It's the treasure inside. So after children's time, be sure to check out the newest episode of the Pete and Repeat show and also the I Spy activity page in your activity bag. You can find all this stuff online too at the Faith at Home page at faithwestwood.com or go to the email that I just sent out this morning and all the links are in there. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, Amen. Here's a message from Pete and Repeat.
go. We're gonna get there. Almost there! What, uh... Where's the movie? What are we doing now? I thought it was supposed to start. Well, at least we got our snacks. I know. Hey, we'd like to welcome you guys to Family Movie Night. It's going to be October 16th. It's coming up Friday. The movie is going to start at... 7 o'clock, and the movie's going to be Wonder Park, and Pete's over here is going to tell you about your snack options. Wait, Wonder Park or Wonder World or Wonder Pets? Wonder Pets? No, not Wonder Pets. Wonder Park. Wonder Park. Wonder Park. I don't know why I can't remember that. Yeah, right? So, the snacks are $3. You get a pop, you get popcorn, and you get a candy bar for $3. It's all individually wrapped for you. So, hope to see you there, and... It's going to be outside of the church, not in this beautiful arena. Glorious we are in theater now. we're in today. So, I hope to see you then. Second Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing. Power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not, dis not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that, that his life may always be revealed in, in our mortal bodies, so then death uh, is at work in us, but life is at work in you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Oh, great God, as we worship you at home today, we want to see your glory in the everyday and praise you. Holy Spirit, send the power of the Word deep into our hearts and minds so that we are continually transformed into the image of Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. I know a guy who's uh, an earthenware artist, pottery, and he, he takes an ordinary lump of clay, shapes it on a wheel, artfully adds designs of color and glaze and it just comes out gorgeous. It has such a rustic beauty. In Bible days, earthenware was much more common than it is today. Clay was plentiful and cheap. It was the plastic of ancient times. You, you could make just about anything with it. Archaeologists have excavated mounds of uh, where ancient people have dumped their broken shards of pottery. Today we're learning from the Bible about treasures in jars of clay. Um, sometimes the most valuable items 
are best carried in ordinary containers. This is week five in our series, Be Weak, Be Strong, Belong. And we're going through the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. If you missed previous messages, that's not a problem because every message stands alone. Of course, you can watch previous messages or sermons uh, from our website or from our Faith Westwood uh, Facebook page. In N.T. Wright's devotional commentary on 2 Corinthians, which a lot of us are reading right now, he tells a story about Sir Oliver Franks, who, following World War II, uh, became the British ambassador to the United States. And so he spoke to the leaders of both nations uh, very often. He put important documents in a diplomatic bag that was flown daily across the Atlantic. But when Oliver Franks had the most important, the most confidential, the most top secret message to send, what did he do? He put it where no foreign spy would suspect. He put it in an envelope, stuck a stamp on it, and dropped it in the mail. Sometimes the most valuable items are best carried in ordinary containers. Imagine a horse-drawn cart being pulled down a road on a long trip, hundreds of miles. Inside the cart are dozens of brownish-gray, ordinary jars of clay, some carrying grain, some water, some olive oil. And amongst the jars is one that looks no different than all the others. Yet once you dig through the top few inches of grain, you find exquisite treasure. Gold jewelry, silver goblets, precious gems, a royal fortune being carried in jars of clay. Well, that's the picture we find in uh, this uh, part of the uh, letter to the Corinthian Christ followers in chapter 4, verse 7. It starts out, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Treasure in jars of clay. Now, obviously that's a metaphor. Uh, the previous verses would lead us to believe that this treasure represents the transforming power of the gospel. I've been reading Philip Yancey's book, What Good Is God? And in the first chapter, he talks about the transforming power of the gospel happening on three levels. First, the gospel has the power to change individual lives. In Yancey's book tells the stories of individuals that he's met on his travels around the world. Prostitutes, alcoholics, untouchables, leprosy victims. People whose lives were transformed by faith in Jesus. And second, uh, he talks about the gospel has the power to create a caring community of faith. Those who belong to Jesus respond to people in need, and his book tells of them doing that, uh, following an earthquake in Haiti, a, a hurricane in New Orleans, a mass murder at Virginia Tech. Third, the gospel has the power to positively impact entire societies, like yeast lifting a, a whole loaf of dough. Now, you study church history, you learn that the, the church is full of corruption and has been many times, but as I said back in June, the, the church is both highly corruptible and highly correctable. 
And Yancey walks through examples of the good news of Christ permeating whole cultures over time and lifting them out of immorality, greed, violence, corruption. Now, of course, not everyone believes that. Uh, Yancey has received some caustic responses from readers. Uh, some argue that there's no benefit whatsoever to any kind of faith, Christianity least of all. I, I don't know how to respond to that except to pray for them. And when they're ready, I would invite them to listen to some of these stories of transformation. And the reason Paul writes to his sisters and brothers in Corinth is because some of them have decided that they're no longer satisfied with Paul as an apostle. Sure, he's smart, he's passionate, he knows the Bible really well, but we'd like for him to appear more successful. We'd like him to be a more entertaining speaker, maybe a little less demanding. We'd like an apostle with a kind of a celebrity quality. And so Paul writes to them and says, they don't understand what it means to be an apostle. It's not about appearance. It's not about your skills as a stand-up comic. An apostle is a vessel. An apostle is a container. Paul and the other apostles are plain clay jars that carry the treasure. Uh, let's look at all of verse 7, shall we, where Paul says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. God uses simple vessels, ordinary clay jars, cracked pots. Why? To show that the miracle isn't from the people who bring the message. The power comes from God. The power is in the message God gives. It's about 40 years ago, I happened to see on television Robert Schuller's first Sunday in his new church building dubbed the Crystal Cathedral. Um, years later, I watched a video conference with Schuller, and I credit him with helping me hear a call from God to plant a new church someday. Well, in later years, uh, Schuller's church had problems. Who's going to follow him? He tried to pass leadership off to, onto his son, which failed, and then to his daughter. That didn't work. Uh, the Crystal Cathedral was once one of the most prominent churches in America, but it ended up filing for bankruptcy, closed its doors. The building was later purchased by the Catholic Diocese. Now, I don't want to put Schuler down. He did a lot of good for a lot of people. He was one of God's good and faithful servants, but I don't think I'm oversimplifying to say that the ministry he built um, was, was, was based so much on the persona of the pastor. It was centered around Schuler's charisma. The vessel became too important. And when the vessel retired, the ministry crumbled. And that's the very thing Paul wants to avoid. He knows he's just a jar of clay. He wants the Corinthian Christians to know that, that the all-surpassing power of the gospel comes from God. It doesn't come from him. Paul, as we know, suffered a lot as an apostle. 
the book of Acts tells us some about that. Uh, Paul's life was threatened in Damascus. He escaped when some friends put him in a large basket and lowered him outside the city wall. He was often kicked out of synagogues. In Lystra, he was stoned and left for dead. In Philippi, he and Silas were stripped and severely flogged. In Thessalonica, people rioted against him. Then in Ephesus, people rioted against him there. Another riot broke out in Jerusalem, and Paul was beaten by a mob. Well, he says this is what apostles can expect, carrying the gospel of Jesus in a hostile world. No wonder Paul tells the Corinthians in verses 8 and 9, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul's giving glory to God that he survived it all. You know, like Paul, I'm a plain, ordinary clay jar. Now, when I say that, I'm not, I'm not putting myself down. It's an honor to be a plain, ordinary clay jar carrying the gospel. Now, there are two ways that we carry the treasure of the gospel. The first way we carry the gospel is that we have faith. We believe in Jesus. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and we have this treasure in the clay jar of our humanity. And by it we are lifted and strengthened, encouraged, and refreshed because of our faith. The second way we carry the gospel is to carry it to others. We share the faith. Uh, you know, we talk about bless once in a while. Bless gives us a simple outline to follow as we relate to people who don't yet know Jesus. So we don't pressure them. We love them. We build relationships. We bless them. And we follow the BLESS acronym. We begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share our story. And then we sit back and watch for God to do the heavy lifting. God is the one who changes hearts. So carrying the treasure of the gospel means carrying it in us and carrying it to others. And here's what I believe verses uh, 8 and 9 are saying. It's our theme for the day. When you carry the gospel, God will give you surprising resilience. You and I, or ordinary breakable clay jars, but God will strengthen us more than we expect. Let's say it together, shall we? When you carry the gospel, God will give you surprising resilience. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I'm in my 40th year as a pastor. Can you, can you believe that? Uh, sometimes I'm surprised I lasted this long. You know, I've come close to burning out more than once. I remember my first year as a pastor, one evening I, I had a couple of visits to make. And after dinner, I sat down uh, in the yellow hand-me-down overstuffed chair for my grandparents. And I couldn't make myself get up. And I cried. I, I couldn't make myself do it. And, and, and part of it was that I was afraid that after investing three years and all this money in seminary, that maybe I wasn't going to last past my first year as a pastor. Shortly after that, Trish and I took kind of an emergency vacation, a week, 
just to get away so that I could rest and recuperate. And, and I was able to get some perspective on, on the things that were really stressing me. And by the grace of God, I survived it. And you know, that's just the first time. I like what uh, Pastor Rick Warren said when somebody asked him if he ever felt like quitting. He said, every Monday. <laughs> I've had people tell me that they imagine that while I'm preparing in my study, you know, uh, Sunday's message, that they, they, they imagine that there's a pipeline from God going straight into me. Well... I hate to burst that bubble, but 99% of the time, it doesn't feel that way at all to me. What it feels like is struggle. You know, the early drafts of my messages are usually terrible. The first stuff I, I often write down, get, I delete it later. Sometimes I'm, I'm working and no good ideas come to me and I'm, I'm desperately praying. Or I've got too many ideas and I'm struggling to, to funnel them down to get focus. Or, I can't figure out what to say first, or I can't figure out how to end it. And so, I have to just keep praying, struggling desperately. The process of getting ready to give a Sunday message is not an exer exercise in strength. It's an exercise in weakness. And I'm okay with that. It just means that the all-surpassing power comes from God doesn't come from me. You see, the resilience that God gives you doesn't make you a superhero. It doesn't, it doesn't make you impervious. Earlier in the letter, Paul tells his friends how, how bad the situation got in the Roman province of Asia, where Turkey is today. Remember this? 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. So, at this point, back in Asia, Paul didn't feel resilient. He felt like he was going to die. And during hard times, you may experience the crunch, the stress, the despair. You may find yourself saying, this is way more than I can handle. Most of the time, it's not until you look back on it later that you realize that God has sustained you. The resilience was there when you needed it. Footnote, uh, the word resilience and resiliency are both right. They both mean the same thing. I just choose to say resilience. But let me clarify, the word resilience doesn't mean that you're not affected by what happens to you. You are affected. It means you recover. It means you bounce back. Uh, for example, let's say you have a, a big spring and you squash it and let it go and it springs back to its original shape. We would say it's resilient. When a volleyball hits the court, it's momentarily flattened where it makes contact with the floor, but it bounces back into its spherical shape. We would say it's resilient. And you will be affected by adversity. You will be squashed, you will get flattened, you will get stretched, and at the time it may feel like it's way beyond your ability to endure. It may feel like you're not sure you're going to survive it, but you do. You carry the treasure of the transforming power of the gospel, and, and you carry it to serve others. 
Uh, let's hear again what Paul says when he looks back on all of those hardships that he wasn't sure he was going to survive. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Sometimes we might want to ask, Paul, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep going from city to city announcing the good news of Jesus, knowing what's going to happen, knowing that you're going to be beaten and whipped, uh, stoned and stripped? And he would just say, it's because I want everyone to know about Jesus. As he tells the Corinthians in verse 12, So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And that's why he would say it's worth it. Paul gladly takes the beating so they can have the blessing. He accepts the suffering so they can find the salvation. And he looks back on his suffering and he sees that over and over, God has gotten him through it. And that leads us back to our, our, our theme. When you carry the gospel, God will give you surprising resilience. Now, I would ask you to look back on your life and ask, has that been true in my life? Where do you see where God's surprising resilience has brought you back? And if you could see that God at times has given you that surprising resilience, I would just encourage you to, to thank Him and praise Him for it, and then tell somebody else about it. Find somebody that you can share your story with. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know all about suffering. It was a part of life for you, not just your death. During those times when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel hopeless, we ask that you to be near with us and walk with us and strengthen us. Give us that resilience that we will be able to look back and, and see later how you've gotten us through it. And Lord, we thank you that, that we can be your ordinary jars of clay, carrying the life-changing treasure of the gospel. In your name we pray, and all, all God's people said, Amen. Jesus
any power or gifting that we have is from God. I would encourage you this week to look for God's power and gifting in yourself and others and praise God as an act of worship when you notice those things. Please do not forget to stop by faithwestwood.com forward slash service, fill out a connection card and give us your prayer request. You can give to the 2020 vision, which helps continue the ministries of Faith Westwood. And also the mission offering for this week is for helping hands. In the last couple months, we have been able to serve and, and give generously to some of the people in our church um, that have a financial need. And everything that you give to Helping Hands helps support that ministry. It's such a joy to be able to meet those needs as a congregation. So we encourage you to give generously. In seven days, we will join together again on Facebook and online and in person for worship. We pray that you have a great week.